Welcome to The Futurist with your hosts, Ben Rohde and Alex Lightman. Each week, we feature a specific aspect of our collective future with action steps you can take to make your own future better and brighter. Our guest experts are top futurists in their field who will remind you that anything is possible. Give us 90 minutes and we'll give you the future. Best show ever alert. We've got Andrew Bartzis. Uh, the galactic historian on the show will be pulling him in in just a, a second. We're so excited. So I got to tell you a little story about Andrew um, or how, how, how I met him, right? So I watched a radio show with him about three years ago, and it blew our, blew our mind. I watched it with Jen. It blew our mind. And he has these, these revocations, activations, things that you read and take back your sovereignty around money or debt or uh, slavery or love or uh, probably everything. And so we, I printed them out. It was probably 20 pages. And Jen and I just spent a couple hours reading these and, and vibrating and feeling amazing. And, and so I was, I was on, a, uh, um, on, on a call with a friend of mine, Satyan Raja, who's going to probably be on the show in a couple weeks. And I was asking him, I was saying, I, it's been so hard for me to find somebody to do sessions with. And I, just, I want somebody who, like, I don't want them to, like, give me advice. I don't need advice in my life. I don't need business advice. I just want somebody who's going to channel my future for me. I just want somebody that's just going to give it to me and is good enough to just nail it, right? And so he was like, well, you've got to talk to my friend, the galactic historian. <laughs> and I said, okay, cool. Give me his, give me his info. And so I, I, I got a session with him and he blew my mind. Every question, it was like, I wrote a list of 20 questions. And Alex, I told you to write some questions. So I, I know you, whether you wrote them or not, I know you're going to have some good ones. Um, but every question I asked him, it was like a quick yes or no answer. And then the explanation and then, it was like, I can go deeper into this and we could spend 90 minutes diving deep into one thing or access more questions and more, more answers. So what are you most excited about talking about, Alex Lightman? Alex? Are you there? All right. I'm, looks like we... I'm here, but I have uh, – it seems like there was – I had a deja vu. Are, are you, Ben, are you there? Uh, talking <laughs> yeah, to me well. now in real time? Because I heard you talking to me in parallel like a few seconds ahead of time. Whoa, deja vu. Am I talking to you twice? Yes, you're talking to me twice. So what's happening right now is you're listening to me and my higher self at the same time coming in in tandem. So whichever one of us you decide to listen to, I think you'll, you'll be in good hands. Okay, it sounds like there sounds like there might be a delay. I don't know what's going on right now, um, but anyway, I'll just pull uh, I'll pull Andrew into the conversation. Um, Andrew, thanks for being on the show with us, man. This is this is amazing. I'm excited. Welcome. I'm, I'm so glad to be on the show. And after our first session, you know, I I I I realized how deep I connected to you, and then we talked afterwards. It's a great to be on the show. Uh, 
you know, I've I've been doing radio myself for going on four years now, so it's really exciting to be on a show like this. Oh, so fun! Yeah, it was a, it was a it was a great session, and we were we we couldn't stop. It was we were talking, and I was like, let me just let me buy another hour. I want to continue this, and he was like, this is the most amazing. <laughs> uh, anyway, it was. It was, it was good. And then at the end, at the end of the call, I said, uh, "Is it in our Akashic records to to do a radio show?" And Absolutely, we're, we're doing it. Here's the future now, <laughs> and the future happens fast. So I, I'm I'm excited about the topic of this show, the, the the future of our humanity. I mean, what what better topic? I mean, every other topic we talk about just brings us to the answer of that this specific topic and you know we should have probably should have chosen a, a three-hour time slot on this show um but uh here we have 90 minutes so <laughs> what 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 is it that um okay two things two things first of all i want to ask you a question the question i said that i was going to ask you beforehand um that i was going to surprise you with is you know, my, my wife's a clairvoyant and, you know, we hang out with a lot of clairvoyants and, um, and so to be spe- specifically tapped into the Akashic records, I don't know what that looks like exactly. Does that look like you can give time frames and exact predictions? Like if I were to ask you what, who's going to be the president? Is it going to be Hillary? Is it going to be Trump? Are they both going to get arrested and it's going to be someone else? Are they going to get nominated and then impeached? Like, do you have that specific information? Because I know when we were doing our session, you had very, very specific information, but in, on a global scale. And I know the answer is, you know, there are many different timelines that we could choose. And, but what does this look like when you're reading the Akashic Records? Okay. So the way our, our system of shared reality rules works is everyone has a belief that has a placebo around it that has past lives attached to it that give us the foundation of the way our, our shared reality rules works. Our seven previous generations, we stand upon their shoulders each generation, living in the now with the technology and the spirituality we've created in the co-creation with whatever dogmas or scientific beliefs that lead us into creation, co-creation, inspiration, or some new form found of, found of science or the static form that we're experiencing in now. Ten years ago, the system itself, the esoteric side that runs the world, was mm-hmm. trying to create five or ten years of your future based off of its prediction models that it had off of your taxes, your life force, and all of the other Ooh. esoteric things that it would use to predict you. And nowadays, it can b- barely do 15 days ahead of time Amazing. for the majority of the people. In some scenarios, it can go 90 days. So to answer your question, it is a shell game right now or a card game of three-card money. Where is the peanut going to be under the card? Mm -hmm. For what I have been saying now for going on three years that each election will be like a Three Stooges event where the system itself will be showing you its own slapstick from behind its own stage. And Trump is an exploration of that. Three years ago, I began to give what I call media predictions, something anyone that looks at the media can do. You don't need to be an Akashic record to realize that everything in the media is a sequel. Everything uh-huh. is about keeping the status and static quo. From that point forward, observing the Akashic record isn't observing about the, in, the, the wholeness of our world. It's how the individuals change their own bubble of reality. 
So Ooh. as we go closer and closer to the election, you will have those that will be giving their tacit consent for four more years of reality control. Uh, and then you'll have those others that make a different choice, who choose to see the duality of the world they're living in, that the power of their vote truly means nothing at this point. And they will go into the power of their consciousness, and they will make what I call a separation of densities. So the world for those that are ready to give away their power will continue. And for those that are ready to see the power of spirit, the power of science combined with it, so logic creates order, and, order, and from order creates clarity, will discover consciousness as the next level of, of, of scientific and spiritual interaction that leads us away from a system that only wants static reality. So the bigger answer to your question is, it isn't about a global view. That has actually been part of this global infrastructure of distraction to keep everyone entangled in a 24-hour news sources at a bombing in Bali or a, a rape in India that have nothing to do with the living life in Iowa or Mexico City. There are no filters to information. Information is still heavily weaponized in our world, and it will be the conscious geniuses of this world, both of science and spirit, who come together in their own forms of factions and begin to challenge the commonality of the tongue and say, who will we go to to create the 27th letter? Because right now there is no governing body to add a letter to the English language. It will be the consciousness explorers who separate into communities such as Benna's building, so that spirit and science or whatever other expression is freely allowed to be a part of it without the dogmas of finance defining where science will go or what theories are created. The future of our people rests in the individual who take up the mantle of responsibility that our world is a shared reality rules, that, that physics will ultimately change. In the 1400s, you had Galileo, so on and so forth, each time rediscovering a different form of science until they discovered the, the changing of how, how the speed of light works. They discovered that light doesn't need a, really a medium to propagate. Well, we can take some of those terminologies and apply it to our own consciousness. And then we look at the system of media. Whose consciousness is creating that media? Is that a free-thinking media? Is that a controlled media? There is the undiscovered country of freedom. There is where whoever is elected will create a polarity and charge so great in the people that they'll become mm -hmm. a full separation of densities. Those that choose to create thought constructs in their mind and do something with it that create invaluable sources of information to this world, like we've done in thousands of generations past, spawn the geniuses of different areas, eras who have changed the very thinking of our people. This election, to me, represents that, that separation of densities where the control system has gone so awry and allowed such bombastic personalities to define the way the system works, reality works, that individuals will then be motivated enough to get up and march in the same scale and size of the 1960s and 70s, but they won't be beating <laughs> the drums of anti-war. They will be beating the drums in rhythm with the earth, in rhythm with the science that's saying there is something new out there to discover. And the dogmas of the old, both spirit and science, can be set aside to those non-believers or those static believers, and a new consciousness movement comes together. That's what I see for the future of our people. I love it. I love it. And this is... 
this is one thing that I've been, I've been actively creating and in my reality is that no matter who gets elected, no matter who it is, whether it's Trump or Hillary or Godzilla, no matter who gets elected, it's not going to be another year of heavy density of the static quo, right? It's going to be, no matter what happens, something good will come out of it, whether it's the people waking up faster, right? Uh, if they don't want to wake up the easy way and, and, and create something beforehand, they can wake up the hard way and, and create something after. Um, but, you know, us living here in Costa Rica has created a life of lightness, right? So we're out of the density so that we can better create a world of lightness for everyone else in our dream, mm -hmm. right? So I, I love, I love this. So here, here's another layer. So when it comes to the presidential election, you asked for something to look, what does the Acacia record show? It yeah. actually shows what I call a bifurcation. Great. That means that that election creates a wave of energy in the seen and the unseen spectrum of belief, okay? And then in the actual scientific spectrum where our belief begins to manifest stuff. Mm -hmm. So the actual election is a card game. But I will say no president has ever been elected. Every president has been selected by the governing body of our world. Right. This election will show the governing body of our world of unelected oligarchs. Yes. That and is the by, most important thing by to bifurcation, understand. By bifurcation, you're referring to the, the bifurcation points of uh, thermo, th it's, uh, thermonuclear dynamics, which is um, uh, chaos is entered into the system, and Correct. the cell has one of two ways it can go. The cell can either evolve, uh, either push through the chaos and learn from it and evolve, or reject the chaos and, and stay the same. Correct. And in a shared realities environment, that means those that reject the change become encapsulated it. And this is where I say the dream world is that next undiscovered country where we will be able to create thought constructs in our regular meditative moments and then fall asleep and learn lucid dreaming techniques to advance those thought constructs and then awaken from them and learn to download them into our cellular memory, which is our common idyllic memory, so that common geniuses become common everywhere we are. Just That's as our, we learn mnemonics to store and encode data, we are beings of encoded light. And each time we come into a physical body, we are a non-localized soul who becomes manifest for a localized moment, empowering a DNA skin suit to have consciousness in it that only perceives this reality in light and memory. You're blowing my mind. <laughs> this is Man, great. That's, so, that's, all, that, that's that common terms that both science and spirit have had for thousands of years. We're just at a point where there are enough learned people to see the commonalities. Yeah, and that's, that's one thing we've been seeing for a long time is all these, these teachers and, and you know, the, the, the healers and coaches, like everyone's coming out of the closet now. It's like everyone's waking up and they're stumbling into some kind of life purpose and they're saying – oh my God, I am part of the service to others soul family and it's, I'm here to do something big and I don't know what it is, right? And, and they're, like, whether people are being fully successful in that mission or not, 
they are anchoring in a consciousness. They are anchoring in that energy so that whatever it is that happens, they are there as antennas and acting as um, a collective consciousness saying, I, I choose my free will to, to wake up. I choose my free will to create my future in a way that, that serves me rather than let somebody else create my future. And, you know, th those that have been creating the future have been doing us all a huge service by creating mm -hmm. our future so that we don't have to think about it, right? Setting up Unfortunately. the and running the country so that we don't have to think about it so we can keep hitting the snooze button and say, oh, I'm just going to sleep in a little more. You guys got this? Okay, thanks. And now we're coming yeah. into a level of spiritual adulthood where we can – um, where we can say, thank you, I'm, I'm ready to take over from here. So 100 years ago, let's say 116 years ago, 1900, it didn't work that way. Everyone created their own life. The only thing that was connecting us was the very beginning of radio and telegraph and, and books. So it was a very individual, specialized, local bubbles of reality. When telephone, radio, and TV took over, this whole global way of running our lives was created. So it is not very old for us. Right. And that's one of those things that humanity itself has to use hindsight and foresight simultaneously. And that's a birthright everyone has. You know, everyone's had that moment where you see the past and then you clearly see your, your future, that you have the goals that you want to create. I say that that's a mystical experience. And when I say mystical, meaning you're engaging your physical and your spiritual intelligence. You're not in competition with whatever's around you and the information and the data and the clarity flow. And you create mental algorithms that are called goals. And those goals become very advanced as the individual spiritual genius and the human genius takes over to make a thought construct that says, I will make a business. Whether it's a business that changes the world, a business that informs people, or a service-based something that goes out and educates people because educating people about the bifurcation process, that's probably the one of the most singular, most important things to be doing in the next 20 months. You are asking what I see in the Akashic record and what can happen tomorrow and the next day. An infinite amount of things can happen at every moment. So when I use the Akashic record, I look at an individual person and I go under their crown shock and I look at the total number of potentials that this person is creating through their thought constructs, constructs from that of the beginning of the being as the fetus in the mother's womb. That's where their living space and their dream space of the Akashic record began as they immigrated to this world. And within those potentials is what's known as a one degree of separation. Everything that being will meet every person that it's ever walked upon the street, every person that's ever heard the breath. That is its, its equational representation of how it can impact the world. That impacting of the world creates a sum value that everyone else may interact with. So in a mathematical equation or a spiritual mathematical algorithm, we all have a one degree of separation that gives us the potential of achieving a unity consciousness expression. Yes. I say it takes about 200 people that are in the intermediate level of advancing of lucid dreaming and common spiritual processes can make the first grid of a unity conscious, meaning they can share simple telepathic messages without a technological transference. Mm. From there, you must build the common moral code.
You know, it's like teaching the world Morse code in the 1900s or the late 1800s, also going to, well, what is the responsibility of telepathy? You know, in previous, you know, our histories, the militaries weaponized these concepts, both in Russia and here right. in America. There has to be organizations that de-weaponize everything that, that's looked at as the spiritual process so that the common moral code of do no harm to sentient kind truly means something to the collective consciousness that's going to be evolving. You know, do no harm to sentient kind then has the moral obligation of yourself to saying, how much harm will I allow behind me if the person in the corner is killing a fly versus someone chopping the trees down? We as the new groups creating these collective consciousness must state to the system, what is a sentience? The dogs, the cats? There are 7 billion, 300 million human beings in this world. I say there are 57 billion sentient beings on this world occupying a variety of skin suits, both seen and unseen. Skin suits. I call them skin bags. Meat suits, skin suits, <laughs> DNA lineage, uh, occupation suits. You know, ancillary precognitive workforce suits. There's 900,000 different models of human skin suit we can function in. This is great. So I, I'm hoping at some point, so I know you, we had you think of three things that you could tell our uh, listeners to, as a way that would benefit their life right now. I hope at least one of them is how to access the Akashic Records. Um, so is, well, is there something, the like what can you tell us about that? Well, the first thing first is, we have to learn that the Akashic Record is on many scales about understanding and the flow of data. So there's you and I, and you and I live in a world that has a celestial mind in it. And that celestial mind came through its own birthing process and took on its shell or DNA skin suit and then offered a spiritual commerce market that's related to our solar systems in the galaxy that smaller beings of light or streams of light would come through the portals of the sun come to our surface of world and create an akashic record everything that is living on the surface world that is sharing space or sacred space with the celestial mind that created this construct in the first place that's the first layer of akashic record so when a soul arrives here and its first immigration date, it begins an Akashic record. When it leaves, its light body, which has the encoded data of everywhere else it's lived, gets an upload of what it did here. It may not choose to go back to a micro-environment. It may, it may chose to go and choose to be what's known as a free-roaming galactic citizen, where it can enter the sun and then upload its local solar system, what it's done in this local area. And from there, it can go at a galactic level where it then no longer uses micro time or fraud time or solar system time. And it becomes a galactic free roaming being not attached to anywhere. And its perspective is based off of that level of the Akashic record, what it's doing in an entire galaxy. All of the lifetimes become a comparison and contrast process. So it can learn if it wants to individuate and compartmentalize itself for another mass learning experience where it may, may then divest itself into thousands of different worlds that may have each their own Akashic record. And then that master avatar will begin to collect what thousands of different worlds are doing. And then when it becomes aware enough, it may want to work at the universal level of the Akashic record and see its impact in the whole universe. 
So when I read the Akashic Record, I read the Akashic Record of this world based off of the question that's coming from the asker. That asker is a signature frequency of mm. being who's had a past, a present, and a future with everything and potential. So when that individual asks me a question, there is a state of knowingness behind that. And that knowingness says if it's the Earth Akashic Record in the seen world. The unseen side of that knowingness can also ask questions in the frequency that allows a solar system, a galactic or a universal scale of the Akashic Record to come in and to be translated from its infinite source of light to this finite 26-letter English. Wow, I love it. So when we were, when you were doing my reading and I asked you, so we have so many different things that we're doing with our business and that we've been called to do. And there's a, you know, there's a, there's a progression. You can't just do all of them at once. And so I asked you, what is the one thing that I should be really focusing on right now? And you said, okay, let me go in. And I thought this was really cool. And you tapped into, you were like, okay, there's 3,684 light hits and you narrowed it down and you nailed it. I mean, you nailed it. It was something that we've been doing for a long time and mm-hmm. something that, the one thing that I love to do the most is my life purpose, right? And we hadn't even mm-hmm. talked about it before then. So tell me what that is exactly. So filtering information. So as I grew into understanding, let me start it back back up. When I was nine years old, I had an experience at a baseball game. I uh, was bottom of the ninth inning. I was there with my dad and um, tied score, and our team hit a home run, and everyone cheered. And at that moment, I had my crown chakra open up, and every person that was in the stadium, every person that was watching it on TV, every person listening into radio, and every person adjacent to the stadium, I suddenly knew who they were individually and every past life and every future life that they were going to live. And I realized they were spiritually intertwined with me at that moment and spiritually contracted to be a part of that individuated moment in which I became aware of of the different scales that I've just described, the planetary scale, the solar system scale, the galactic scale, and the universal scale, where that was all uploaded into my, my actual cellular memory and then eventually into my DNA memory. And that's where I realized that I was an encoded being of light functioning on thousands of different realms. And from age 9 until age 18, it was discovering how to live in a world of duality in which I didn't perceive the separation of duality, but everyone else did. From that point, understanding the Akashic Record was how do I process this infinite information and not lose my own train of thought? So when I, what I've done is, uh, in my own frequency, in my own way of learning, I began to filter information based off of the signature frequency teaching of the individual person. And then I entered what's known as the sacred neutral perspective, where I'm completely an unentangled observer. That's the most fundamental thing to understand when reading the Akashic Record. Information does have charge and polarity. And if a reader stays in any form of charge of polarity, the information rapidly goes to that bifurcation into chaos and where it's not organized with no thought structures behind it. I also learned that I needed to individuate myself because the information flowed from the Akashic Record much like a brain pattern or the Aurora Borealis on the top of the world or the South Pole Aurora Borealis. So I put a part of myself in the North Pole and a part of myself in the South Pole. And those are thought constructs, soul shards that I specifically 
created in ritualization ceremonial ceremonial processes so that I could be in simultaneously in the North Pole and the South Pole. The North Pole is our ancestors. It is also the dreaming mind of Earth. So the seven previous generations' knowledge and wisdom is there. Our seven future generations live in the South Pole, where they have individuated astral cities that are known as immigration cities. And these are the ones that take the life out. So when life is leaving and and another life force comes in, there's an exchange and management system in the South Pole. The seven future generations have a whole different way of seeing our processes. So the Akashic Record, when you observe it, you don't just observe the single individual entangled being for a single moment. You observe their seven past generations and their seven future generations mm-hmm. because every process is still related to our past and our descendants of the future. The people of now bear the responsibility of acting in the now. So when I observe actions or inactions in the now, it has implications on this Akashic record level, the solar system Akashic record level, meaning what soul families are in potential to come and engage this person's spirit. So the physical genius or the spiritual intelligence or the physical intelligence is amplified many million fold. So reading the Akashic record is understanding the seven past generations and the seven future generations are just a synopsis a synopsis that I, change, I translate into a context. So I understand what the individuated compartmental being of now and the uncompartmented being at the higher soul is trying to do through planning one, two, three, four, or ten lifetimes in a row. Wow. Wow. So I had a, I had a thought yesterday that just kind of came through me as I was asking my higher self the question, that so many people have thought about and and it's you know do we do we actually have free will can i do anything i want or am i predestined or or or, or and i i think the answer is both right i think that yes. it depends on which which direction we're looking at in time right so mm-hmm. time doesn't exist all things are happening at the same time so if we're looking forward in time, I can choose absolutely anything. It's a choose your own adventure novel. But when I get to the end of my, my, my life, the book has been written, right? The last chapter mm-hmm. when I die and that, that last cover, the, uh, the, the cover closes, right? I look back yeah. over my life and my life has been, it, my life is spoken for, right? It's, I can start that book over and read it again. And each word is already in the book. So it's, it's both I tend to disagree. There are certain people who are what I call in the reincarnation system, meaning much of their life is planned and the perception of free will is very limited or their perspective on how much free will is limited. In my perspective and in what I've learned is this world's rules are it's a 100% free will planet and a 100% free willed solar system and a 100% free willed galaxy and a 100% free willed universe. There is a system of higher soul that is trying to plan, plan a chain of consciousnesses that connect together to make a long strain of consciousnesses. So when you, this Ben, was born, your process of I am free will choices began, and you had a game plan that the fetus in your mother's womb created. And you, the beginning thing that was trying to learn to work in this world, co-created with that. But at the same time, you can change absolutely anything. 
Things right. like drugs and, and the hardcores of them are an example of how right away a rebellious soul can say, no, I'm not playing your game. I'm not following down there. I'm going to do this. A war and a variety of other things that eliminate this whole concept that everything is preplanned. Everything is synchronistic. And when we see everything is synchronistic and that the, the background environment, the celestial mind-holding space for us, the solar system mind-holding space for us, the galactic system and the universal system holding space for us at different scales, so our experience in the seen and the unseen world um, is far more impactful. And yes, free will has these layers of perception where we, don't, we, we think we don't, but in fact we do. Because oftentimes it is this individuated, compartmentalized micro-being of the now who's teaching the higher soul actually how to live in this density manifest. Because they're not <laughs> here. We are. We are yeah, the we're, I am. We're the boots on the ground. Which, we're the boots on the ground, which are non-localized souls who become a localized event. And with that localized event, we are beings of light, photonic creations of light that store memory in light. And we are in a shared reality that is just a hologram of light. That's some basic facts there. Right? We, we, we can look at that. When humanity wants to use free will, it comes down to the shared reality rules. You can define your reality, your, your, your boundaries, and we do this all the time in our physical life. Can we then define our boundaries on how we share realities? All the other species in the galaxy have gotten to that point if they wanted to have advanced form of space travel. We are on that verge where each and every individual being will stand 100% in their sovereign space of power, which is their heart, which was the muscle that began, the first thing that began as all the DNA began to unravel and encode. It said it needs a heart. And when there was a heart and there was no eyes, no ears, no central nervous system, all that, there was still a perception. Okay? And that is where we can learn to redefine our reality rules, where 100% free will truly means something to us. And the plans we had at pre-birth are just plans or blueprints in which we want to co-create with. Wow, there's a lot in there. So, so let, me, let me ask my question again, or I guess it wasn't a question, but let me ask it this way in a more concise way. So the so if if we look at our present like my present life right now, right? Mm-hmm. If we're looking at our present as a like let's say we're looking at a timeline, we've got our past, we've got our future, and we've got present is right now. If we look forward in I time am, I am Ben now. Right, you are Ben. So if we look forward in time, we have free will choice. And if we look backwards in time, we've made our decision. Right. No. Um, it is and, your free will choice to observe decision. Yes. Okay. If okay, you're entangled, you. so, if you're still entangled to the polarity of the decision, you are locked into that choice. But we also know through common, you know, stuff, we can change the past, the resonance yeah. of the past. Yeah, and and you know, this you is, do it in healing is, all the time. Yes, this is something that we do a lot. There's, I mean, all 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 anything is is a perspective. So if we can change the perspective of the past. You know, if I if, if I have a memory looking back of my my dad abusing me, and and then I ask my dad about it, and he says, "No, you were about to fall down the stairs, and I grabbed you, and you thought I was hurting you, right?" right. That changes the past too. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
It changes the past. Fun conversation. Everything is everything is based off of the perspective of the observer. When we learn not to be entangled observers all the time, and I know quantum science says they're everything's an entangled observer. Well, our higher soul technically isn't. And there's a, a way to see that through the terminology that I used before of one degree of separation, which is the total potential of impact we could have on the world from everyone that we've made spiritual contracts in the unseen world of the fetus in the mother's room. We realize we do have free will. We have free will at a vast expanse. And it is only perspective and the dogmas of our perspective that are limiting us. That's great. So, so let, me ask you, let me ask you the magic question. What question should I be asking you right now? Okay. What question? Let me base it off of the individual teaching of what the total potential of the audience is. Um, the one question that I think that's most important here is understanding spatial dynamics. Um, people look at the world and they see their three-dimensional world but we learn that there are people that are colorblind. A certain percentage of it are colorblind. I say that this world is a seven-color time-experiencing world. And that time must be related to color. Color must be related to perspective on how much the soul spark is there. If we are in those meditative moments and we define that as where a majority of the spark is in, we are a seven-color time-experiencing being. If we are a common runt driving on the street, going to work, waiting at the stoplight, we're probably only two or three color time experiencing being. If we are in the throes of our sexual prowess, we are probably a seven color time being. The perspective of time and how it relates to our energy centers from the seven energy centers, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, each one represents a seen and unseen layer in the reality and the experience and color of time that's being encoded into our mind. It's then being encoded into our cellular memory, and then that's being encoded into DNA that will inevitably pass on to our descendants. That's the question that the audience isn't really asking. You ask the collective question. Okay, so what's the answer? Can one see time as a coloring experience? Can you see how your infrared body is relating to sensuality and sexuality, but, but your violet light body is only dealing with the unseen world of a ghost down the street that's trying to jump into your, jump into your frequency or something different than that? Each, each, each energy center has an unseen and a seen and unseen side. And the unseen side has what I call an animus, a, a, an energy body that is related to that light frequency that is constantly encoding the seen and the unseen experience into our mind. And it is only the dogmas of our perspectives that prevent us from seeing the fullness of that data. Spiritualists and people since the dawn of spirituality of trying to help people see the unseen world. And they have also created dogmas that have limited themselves also until such free thinkers came around and helped people shed off the dogmas of, of, of spirit belief that truly limited us. We're about to go into a new layer, which is in an eighth color. Much like I said, the 27th letter to the alphabet, there is no governing body to add an eighth color. That just truly defines the limits and the rest of the people saying we're, we're only this are arguing for the limitations of a reality. 
So one thing that, that I've been thinking about a lot is in, in regards to evolution is it, it's something you keep saying, and I'd like for you to go deeper into that, is once people are – so this is something I keep hoping for myself, right, is to be able to see a color that I've never seen before, right, or see something that I haven't been able to see before, right? I mean, on the – the scale of ultra uh, of, of the scale of light, right? Ultraviolet light, different, and and then like you know different radio frequencies and the sound, the spectrum of sound. There's so much that we as humans uh, aren't initially able to see, right? And you know some people, like my wife, can see things that most people can't see and can hear things that most people can't hear. And so, how do we open ourselves up to those different? frequencies so that we can see a new color or hear a new thing that will open up our mind in an entirely new world. I mean, when I met Jen, I was completely based on the scientific method and a science couldn't prove it. It wasn't real. And there's no, like, I didn't believe in, in yoga <laughs> or, or colors, um, you know, people seeing colors of auras or hearing things or psychics, clairvoyance, right? And then once I met Jen, it opened up a whole new world for me. So how can, how can we, as uh, muggles born into, this, mm -hmm. born into these body, bodies and, and uh, groomed to see only what we're, meant to see, what we're supposed to see, how do we activate those different pieces in us? Very good question. The first thing is, we experience this reality. And vision is just a micro part of that experience. When somebody is working on the unseen spectrum, they aren't really having vision. They're having an experience that is expanding their knowingness. So removing the dogmas of linguistics to allow the experience to be understood, that's an instant moment where we're engaging the hindsight and foresight. Because when you see something new, you have no definition for it until we put it into our cellular memory that has some form of comparison and contrast to something else that we've seen. So when we see something completely brand new, just like when Jen was introduced to you, our knowingness expands, our potential expands. So the new color is in our minds already. We just have no fractal reference for it. And right. the mystical is about making that fractal reference and manifesting it here whether it's through thought constructs, art, or something else that can make something that was never defined before in our reality. It's an experience in which we can mystically engage hindsight and foresight simultaneously as the conscious unentangled observer who is not allowing charge and polarity to drive forth the coloring of the experience. So how do we, so most people that, that come across these skills do it by accident, not necessarily by cul, uh, culmination or cult, cultivation, right? It just happens. There's, a, there's an awakening. Everyone's awakening looks different, right? Uh, so for example, Correct. Jen, you know, she, she started doing yoga and it activated her body and then somebody handed her a crystal skull and it just blew out all of her circuits and she had that experience again. It, it reminded her of all the um, special talents that she had when she was a child that she had forgotten about, right? 
So it seems like we could tap into our higher self and say, what do I need to have that experience or tap into our, uh, our, our, our future or our Akashic records? What is that experience for me? Right. Is, is it, am I, am I on the right path here? Yep. You're on the right path. It, it'll be about discovering how to unentangle yourself from the reality so ultimately you can observe it without polarity or charge as a single stream of information that may have thousands of other compartmented strings apart into it, but you are still the master being who can uncompartmentalize all information and see it as the bigger picture. That is your sovereign right as the I am born this time who can engage the DNA skin suit that has thousands of memories in it. Our previous generations of memories are stored and encoded into that DNA. DNA has a frequency of, of existence beyond our, our spectrum of understanding. DNA has a light frequency too. There are thousands of experiments that show um, you know, frog, and D, frog DNA being transferred through light or duck DNA yeah. through eggs, you know, example right. after example after example. So our consciousness can engage the unseen world and right now we use the linguistics of the mystical for that engagement process where our knowingness expands. <clears throat> we all know we are more than we've heard, read, or studied. Since our consciousness began as little babies, we knew that. And there were times where we may have been on plateaus or static in expression, but we're still allowing the, the learning process. At this advanced state, when being the unentangled observer says no charge, no polarity can go over me, and I can have the unlimited point of view. Once we have that unlimited point of view in what I call sacred neutrality, all information flows as an experience of expansion of knowingness. There will be no longer need to have a vision to create the mystical experience. The mystical will be living everyday life that way, which is what you and Jen are striving to do on a more micro expression of that, of that, concept, uh, that construct of the living the life together. On the other side, the mystical experience that Jen had with that crystal skull is what I call a spiritual contract. And those spiritual contracts are part of the blueprint the fetus in the mother's womb creates. And the previous generations that you were born, you were also a fetus in the mother's womb, creating the Ben of the now and the Gen of the now. Because the lifetime of the last lifetime, spiritual contracts resolved karmas, energies, dogmas, dharmas, or any other thing that we want to define there. So a future being can come into potential and then eventually, through the synchronistic process of great mystery, come together and the next layer of spiritual contracts unfold through free will. Because without you actually having the act of love and her having the act of love for you, that future doesn't potentially exist. And to you, the I am now actually does it. <laughs> I can already tell this is one of, this is an episode I'm going to listen to several times. I feel like I, the, these, this radio show in particular is a very um, selfish cause for me because I, I get to learn from you and, and have this amazing converse, conversation that I can feel raising my vibration. And um, I, I suggest that everyone that's listening listen to this a couple times at least. Um, there's, Andrew speaks on many different levels and he speaks in layers. And I promise you, you'll get one thing out of it this time that if you listen to it again, you'll get something else. And every time you listen to it, you're going to get something new. So we listened, Jen and I sat down and listened to the recording and uh, Jen hadn't heard it yet. Right. And so Andrew, you're going to love this. The whole time that we were listening to it, Jen's like, I mean, she wasn't even listening to the words, right? She gets the information from, 
your higher self. And every, everything you said, um, everything you said was dead on. And there was one thing that you said about, and it was at the very end of the call, you were like, well, you guys should do a meditation where you go back into the womb and you look at what was your life contract that you created. And, um, and, oh, and, and then, and then it, 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 you said that we need to look back to when we first met and we had something that we, that we were going to do that we had kind of, that we kind of knew we were supposed to do, but we forgot about. And Jen knew what it was instantly, instantly, right? Awesome. And, you know, this, this, this work that we have been doing with um, the, our sexual healing modality that we're now calling, we're now calling the, the multidimensional awakening uh, because it's so much more than, than what we've been calling it. And right off the bat, Jen was saying, and we had three clients in one day say, whoa, this is an ancient goddess ceremony. We've done this before in community right? We've done this before and we've used this vibration to change the planet and we've done mystery play and all, and all this. And so uh, this is, this goes directly with what you were saying to me about um, my, uh, what we're going to be focusing on. And it's all, it's our mystery school. It's everything that we've been doing in our mystery school. Very cool. So Very cool. I've, everyone so should I, listen I to this people... several times. When I when I hear the success like that, it, it reminds me when I I was going on 22, 23, and I kind of knew at that point, you know, there was a bigger plan for what was going on because at at first when I when I'm like, why am I being exposed to the Acacia Records? Why me? Why me? Why can't I live a normal life? It came down to the future, which was just potential to me. You know, 20 years later, that I would be doing something that impacts people like you, people that are listening. And at first I thought I was going to be a, a news reporter, just reporting what was going on. That's the, my only perception at that young age. And then it <laughs> evolved as I began reading people and realizing that what the term galactic historian was, was a person that would challenge people to think on a new scale and a new size uh, of, of harmony and ways of consciousness. And as I began to read thousands and thousands and thousands of different people and decided that you know, at some point I have to take this talent public. There was this pushover point where spirit said to me, here is your personal bifurcation point. The skill it's will time. never leave you. It's time. And you have to make the conscious entangled choice to be a part of this world, <laughs> speaking in the greater scales and size, and also be willing to be the unentangled observer. So when individuated beings of great charge and great polarity come to you, you simply don't take on their charge or polarity. And each time you do that, you will rocket into the infinite layers and come back with a synopsis that helps that being in charge and polarity to reduce their charge and polarity. So some form of clarity comes over them. And that's where learning to speak into layers comes because I know no one can encode the infinite amount instantly. That includes me. Right now I'm processing the Akashic record of this world on, on four different scales and the Akashic record of 20,000 other worlds at four different scales. Why? I made that conscious choice to build that muscle of understanding so my knowingness can expand and contract based off of the signature frequency of being that is asking a question that is in their potential of one degree of separation. By beginning to, beginning to understand the mechanics of the shared reality, that it functions on the seen and the unseen, at the, at the solar system, galactic and universal level, individuated questions can have a direct impact on the whole universe. 
Therefore, I made it a process to have all, all 20,000 plus Akashic Record worlds, a simultaneous expression of the Galactic Historian. So when I went on to radio and I had people asking me questions, who was I before birth? Who was I before I came here to Earth? What does this species mean? I have dreams of being an insectoid. There was instantaneous collectives of collectives of information of thousands of different beings with millions of different Akashic records that had already experienced those beings. And there was an English manifest knowingness now. Wow. So one thing that I, I want to point out that I heard you say... Can that, I ask a question? Uh, yeah, sure. Alex is back from the black hole time warp. <laughs> ben, I haven't spoken because you're, you're so into it. I don't want to disturb your flow. It's like you're having okay. a private session. Okay, well, I've got more. So whenever you're done, <laughs> just uh, go ahead. I'm not, uh, so you, you said that there were 57 billion beings. Is that in addition to the 7.5 billion human beings, or is that... Um, Total. Like, are there 50? There are 7 billion, 300 million human beings and 50 billion others. So it adds up to 57 billion, 300 million. So uh, my understanding, and please correct me, is that humans have been uh, engaged in shamanism for 100,000 years or so. And that there are three things that shamans do. They they take spiritual journeys. Um, they... Can communicate with spirits, and they have miracles around. So, are is shamanism uh, the way that people have sensed and interacted with these other entities in the millions and billions across the last hundred thousand years? And do we all have that capability? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Our oral teachers and historians have been gone through the bifurcation, reduction, and chaos process for many thousands of years. And it is those reductions that have limited the Akashic record readers of the past. So, yes, shamanism has, has gone on for more than 100,000 years. I would say for 54 million years ago, when the first advanced civilizations in what we can simply call a, a golden age of consciousness, there were two forms, one that used science to understand the way spiritual processes worked and another that used shamanism or grounding to the celestial body and the celestial form of communication. And those two had great agreements to each other. So science and spirituality created a crossover. So you had two kinds of class, those that lived with the high technology and those that realized they didn't need the high technology, that everything was built inside their DNA technology. So those created a culture and a society where those on one side would have true love with those on another side, and they created a synthesis race. And that synthesis race passed on science, passed on history, passed on spirituality, as we began a reduction of consciousness, where I'd say 54 million years ago, we were a seventh density world. And since then, our world has shrunk to a third density world. We have actually shrunk in size. And to the point where individuated beings in the learning process here each time they're born will go through an understanding of what it truly means to use free will here so that shamanism science etc etc leads to the separation of bifurcation where individuated choice has more manifest meaning beyond placebo to the individual being manifesting a miracle, manifesting a mystical, because they chose to be an equal co-creation, non-competition, non-hierarchical order, and the apex of their own I am presence. 
how does one become better at communicating with spirits and uh, and i and i would say better in the way of being able to do it and to ask them for assistance and also uh to differentiate between benevolent spirits and malevolent spirits ah good question that is one of the eight, the age old questions discernment so when it comes to speaking with spirit there comes to what I call the external dialogue and the internal dialogue. A variety of spirits will only want to use your out loud voice to begin some form of first contact. And there will others that want to use inner dialogue, meaning the most least passive influential way to get you to be aware that something is non-physical. There is where our discernment process begins. Our inner knowingness that says, this is an internal part of me, a higher self, or an external being within my internal dialogue trying to create some form of contact. There is where physical skills such as muscle testing, um, dowsing, etc., etc., were evolved from different forms of shamanism or science to give a directionality in what to, what to do with this entity. What I say is, ask the being its place of space-time. What is its authentic place that it came into existence? It should have an answer. That should translate into English. If it truly has no place of birth, it isn't real. It is a machination of our sympathetic or a parasympathetic that is trying to keep staticness here. So the first part of discernment is separating what is our own body, creating limitations through the ego, through the sympathetic, parasympathetic, or the central nervous system that has experienced traumas that create a deception filter that this might be this, this might be that, that background paranoia that skews discernment. True beings that are of help will show that right away. Those beings that are being deceptive, we must have those test processes that say, you are a being of the light, share a prayer with me. I am the being of now, a manifest being of light. I bring the fullness of source light here. If that being cannot reciprocate that, it is more than likely in, enabled to transform light. If something is unable to transform light, it is a, a, a creation of chaos that may take you down a different evolutionary path that may or may not be related to your spiritual contracts. That's where the next form of discernment comes, where the shaman who has learned from the animal medicine around them, how the dogs and the cats, the birds and the bees interact, how the trees always have a sacred space that does not infringe upon the, 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 the other sacred space of a tree, and they all come a collective to share that of the sunlight. We have a variety of teachings that give us directions in how to deal with, with non-physical or manifest entities. The next layer of discernment, meaning you have ritualized or ceremonialized your spiritual hygiene. Spiritual hygiene is just as important as brushing your teeth, <laughs> which is just basic intent and then adult intent to clear your environment with the fullness and knowing the, so the teachings that you have. That is making a moment sacred, saying that this isn't a recreational moment. I engage my heart space and all the protective processes I've learned so that I can have a higher form of communication. Um, can I ask a different set of questions? Sure, anything you want. Uh, how do we maximize our lifespan, uh, you know, from the time that we're born to the time that we die in this incarnation? 
and our health span, the time that we are free of injury and, and illness and even degradation, and our, our fit span, our ability to go and do anything athletically that we want to or that anyone invites us to do? Um, that I think that first process is reintroduction to the infinite being that you were in the fetus and mother's womb, and then a reintroduction to the baby that took the first breath, and then learning your story, which I call telling your story to the fire, which is on the bigger scale, know thyself. And when knows thyself, we have the greater ability to make choices in the now. So there are many, many people out there that don't remember their eighth grade birthday or their, what they did when they're 13. What I tell people to do is to try to remember as much as possible, to use your natural genius ability to predict what you would be doing when you're 13, 15, 19, 24, 36, and to recall as much of that as possible. So that is in our fullness of knowingness. So the next layer of expansion has the fullness of our potential in it which is all of the goals we've created since we were the fetus in the mother's womb. Reintroduction to that infinite process within us allows us to have a greater scale of understanding of how the reality is trying to share synchronicities with us. Does that answer your question? Okay, we may have dropped him again. I don't know Sorry, what's going no, on. Sorry, no, I just I hit the wrong button on my phone. Uh, it, sort of. Uh, I want to to run the fastest that I've ever run in my life. I have. Uh, I ran a 420 mile in high school, mm-hmm. and recently I'm able to run uh, a five minute mile. I'd like mm-hmm. to run faster. Is there a way to tune yes. in to good wishes of people and to spirit guides and in addition to exercise, of course, I have books by coaches and things, but I need an extra edge because I want to run faster than <laughs> anyone my age, I'm 54, has ever mm-hmm. run a mile before. Uh, the oldest mm-hmm. person ever to run a four-minute mile that we know of is Eamon Coughlin, did it at 42. Is there a way to tap into extra energy, to use yes. telekinesis, to use to good energy, to be you know electrokinesis, somehow to have an advantage and ad- now advance talking. my speed? So to gain that advantage, you have to have the thought construct and transit from the lucid dreaming state to the manifest now. Okay. It's dreamers and shamers, shamans have been doing that since the dawn of dreaming and shaman. You might have heard of the Kenya runners in the 1700s that could run 300 miles in a day off of a specific concoction that had like 20,000 calories of, in it. Things like that have existed in the past. The Inca runners who could go, you know, 700 miles in a day, you know, running at 20 kilometers an hour, 28 kilometers an hour. All that stuff has existed in the past. So to do that, it is entering the lucid state and training the spiritual body to have a much higher flow. And then to awaken from that lucid state and begin the movement process and return to that lucid state. Just as if you know you had 20 hours of work to complete and you complete it in two or get to work on time and you know you're going to be 10 minutes late and you still make it on time. Engaging that mind space to have the lucidity of the infinite dream world will make those feet move faster. And we have seen this done thousands and thousands and thousands of times through our history. How one chooses to enter and exit the lucidity will be the process of what 
dogmas or perception deception filters are in place that keep the staticness that says telekinesis and hydrokinesis and all that stuff other stuff doesn't exist in our world. That's so fun. It's I used within to practice, the lucidity of dreaming. I used to practice lucid dreaming when I was in high school. For whatever reason, I was like 16 years old, and all I wanted to do was figure out lucid dreaming. And so every night I would practice, 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 and I would fly around and have sex with whoever I wanted. And uh, it was, I mean, it was so, so fun. And so I feel like I was just, I was just training myself for reality creation now. And I mean, Jen lucid dreams so much and does so many, so many dream visits that she has to actually go to sleep and say, okay, I'm not leaving my body tonight. I'm not doing any dream work. I'm not doing any lucid dreaming. And I, I feel like lucid dreaming is one of the most important practices that, that somebody who wants to evolve their life could possibly do. So Absolutely. now might be a good time to get to the uh, three things that, that you want people to, to know that they can take away with them right now and get more tapped in and have a better life. So I want to add a little something to lucid dreaming. It yeah. is the nature of shamanism to be the lucid dreaming. It's the same thing for wizardry, sorcery, any of those other mystical terminologies. And the same thing goes to science. It is in those lucid moments that intense clarity comes, that new theories and new concepts are brought forward that are accepted by the masses of millions. Lucidity represents, do you have the fullness of your, your choice points in dream world? Many, many people try to reach lucidity in dream, dream space or engage it to a point where they have full control over it. In reality, we must understand that our sleep paralysis will also be a limiting factor. When we go into our natural chemical sleep paralysis to enter delta state and have that fullness of dream, we're engaging what I call the dreaming vehicle, where the I am presence removes itself from its seat of the power in the brain, returns to the heart, connects to the fullness of a DNA and then moves from the heart to the intestinal tract and engages the dreaming vehicle and then, and then can perceive the dreaming world and interact with it. Yeah. The physical body is still very much a part of that. Lucidity is about engaging the physical body in sleep paralysis so the sleep paralysis chemical process is undone and the mystical energy is flowing through the blood. That is how we are able to do those masterful things that, that we all want to learn or have seen done in the past. And understanding that lucidity process will be seeing the blood in the body flowing through its process and empowering it with the thought construct of running faster, beating the, the, minute, the, the certain miles per minute, doing some form of something that was thought to be undoable in this reality. We dream it first. levitation, and then we. What's the what's the uh, what's the difference between shamanism, wizardry, and sorcery that you said all have lucid dreaming at their base? Majority of the shamanism side does not step on the journey of others. That doesn't mean that they do. Wizardry, sorcery has a different set of belief system that allows them to step on the journeys of others because of the state step of on awareness. The what does that mean? making choices for people in their unawareness or their blissful ignorance that guides them into a section that isn't part of their natural radiant blueprint of health or down information that leads them away from their natural spiritual contracts. Awareness you, you don't, means responsibility. Do that? I've, I've definitely known some shamans that were on the darker spectrum. 
that have or the about, ones on the light spectrum that are dictators and don't even realize it. Right. Okay. You can yep. Dictate that it's the only way. Yep. Okay. They're still is beings it, of it, light. Is it possible to be in radiant health and to to accelerate one's own healing and to de-age, to age in reverse physically? Yes, I absolutely believe that. And I think there are thousands of examples throughout our history of people doing that. I think you've how, seen two how do you examples do that? in the last week, Alex. With the, okay, so how, the, do you, how do you reverse the aging process? That, again, is about returning to the fetus in the mother's womb and having a companionship because there is the infinite knowingness that actually created the potential of reverse aging. The infinite is there. It's a matter of how do we translate into English to create a, a construct that we can work with in the now that has manifest changes that not only can this individual see but everyone else see. And it would be pointless if you're going to reverse your aging and only you could see it. Or would that be acceptable to you? Everyone has a different <laughs> layer of when it comes to acceptance. Does it have to be in front of you, manifest in front of everyone to be real? I see. Uh, and how uh, how does one lose weight best? How does one lose the unhealthy weight? How do you lose fat? In a spiritual perspective, are you asking that from from what what what? I'm side asking in a in a physical sense. So 98% of diets fail, at least in the United States, and we consume with four and a half percent of the world's population something like 80% of the painkillers. So clearly. We're doing something very weird with our bodies. Okay, well, our, our bodies aren't in a natural digestion process. That's the first thing. The amount of um, preservatives in food, GMOs, and the variety of other things that affect our intestinal tract. Our intestinal tract is where we hold um, a tremendous amount of positive and negative psychic data. It is also where our dreaming body or our dreaming vehicle is housed. So when people gain weight and are trying to lose weight... They are, in a sense, trying to shed the negative things that are keeping them on the static and not moving forward. And the reason 98% of diets fail is motivation and belief within themselves. So what I would say, if somebody truly wants to lose weight, it's about returning the intestinal tract to its radiant blueprint of health, knowing that in the intestinal tract is 80% of our immune system, our dreaming body, and that beginning to cleanse that process and return to some form of natural food eating, you know, limiting the amount of meat. And so there are some people that need to eat meat. And then understanding that you must make your food sacred, put your intention within it, and having that part of your daily manifest process will lower that 98% to 50% success instead of 98% failure. And then the individuated process of each diet will determine if it's right for some people. There are those that the Atkin diet, they lose weight super fast, but the minute they go off, all the weight comes right back on with each piece of sugar or carbs that they eat. Knowing thy body, planning an agenda, and having the ability to say, I can lose weight, and use the power of intention to influence the future you who may choose to eat that donut versus a salad. We as conscious beings must see our, what I call, residual image, that which has grown through us. I mean, you could look at pictures when you were 19 and still see the adult you looking through the face. 
We must see that radiant blueprint of health. We must instill it into every atom and every cell and use our belief in placebo to engage that sacred process of what? Bettering the self, bettering the environment that's around us, changing the way people interact with us based off their perception. Is he fat and lazy because he doesn't know how to eat? And all of these other projections that everyone has. Reducing the projection, projections of others. So many people that are currently overweight now, it is literally the projections of others that have manifested that weight. And they have no coping skill to let go of that process. Thus why an entire industry of diet control and motivation has come forth. Wow. And That's one great. another I, question. How, how do you get smarter uh, a friend of mine who once made and then lost $800 million told me, sitting in a, in a vegan restaurant in Hollywood once, Alex, you have the divine right to ask any question you want um, and and get and to receive the answer. Do you think that that's true? And if so, Absolutely, how, 100%. Does one, how does one access that ability? I think you're born with it. I think that just be living here, you have that divine right to ask questions and have them answered. At a bigger perspective, there is a celestial mind sharing space with us in equal creation of spiritual contracts to experience us and share its reality through us. So that celestial mind becomes a medium to many different frames of time because we are all of our past, present, and future lives simultaneously existing, and this earth is the medium of that experience. And that medium can be asked questions through the Akashic Record, and the answers come within our knowingness. How we engage our knowingness in internal or external dialogue will determine the level of companionship one can have with a celestial mind or themselves becoming the celestial medium so knowingness is an inherent part of them. I'm going to listen to this episode at least three times. <laughs> so can you give us, the, can you give us the, your, your three things now? I, don't want to run, I, I want to make sure to get to those. Sure, sure. So the three things, I think the first thing that we all have to look at is how we share reality. The first thing we do is we all share the sun. And something, everything in our reality does is some form of spiritual photosynthesis. So it's to engage our mind to see our bodies as a being of photosynthesis, allowing the natural energy of the sun to connect to us and to us to acknowledge we are photonic beings of light and that our memories are stored in light, and that this reality has many different ways of perception, and light is its basis. And I choose to engage my natural spiritual photosynthesis ability to draw in the energy so I can express more light, constantly transforming more and more light. That is what the sun is doing. And when we begin this process at emulation level to internal energies, where we are the sun, Equal, an equal co-creation on the scale of our being to the amount of light that's in this world coming from the sun. That first intellectual to spiritual manifestation will assist people at finding motivation, inspiration, a spark of the mystical. What I tell people is to do this process of sun gazing, except with your eyes closed. 
There are many sun gazers that believe it only should be open. In this case, it's the eyes closed because you want to engage the fullness of the being. So through your eyelids, the sun comes through and creates a red energy and engages our, our eyes to try to create a vision that go to our brain. And our brain, through its natural process of perception, engages that light and that light comes into our brain. And we begin the visualization process, the simple thing of connecting the left brain and the right brain so that it is, it is just a globe of light. That globe of light then travels down our synaptic nerve endings, down our spinal column, and then it goes to each every cell and every atom of our body until we are glowing of light. That is a way to recharge ourselves so the mystical can be a part of our clarity moments. That basic construct is probably one of the most valuable things that people wow. can regularly do. Oh, I yeah. love it. And what, what I love about what you just said, by the way, I'm doing it right now. I'm looking at the sun with my eyes closed. What I love about it with your eyes closed is that that allows you to do it any time during the day. With regular sun gazing, you have to do it an hour after sunset or an hour before right. sunrise, or you're going to fry your eyes. So this is, mm -hmm. and I've, I've heard you can do it by looking at water. Which, which I did as a kid. I have water. scar tissue from, from winning a contest of seeing who could look at the sun <laughs> the longest. So I wouldn't recommend it. Of course. Yeah. Of course you do. So the, the second thing is, as I've said before, is beginning the companion process of learning who the fetus and the mother's womb is. And there are a variety of healing techniques that take people back to traumatic times in their life. Like when you were most depressed when you were 19 and they go back there and they encapsulate the energy and they release it. Getting yourself to this inner co-creative process where your visualization creates your placebo manifestation of belief so you can engage the fetus in the womb. And what I say is tell it your story. Tell it everything you can absolutely remember about your life and realize that you've gotten to a point where the fetus may have dreamed 80% of you and it doesn't know what to dream next. This helps mm. us literally change the very manifest goals that are around us. Fundamental change. If you want weight loss, go into the fetus in the womb who created that, that weight in the first place with the spiritual contract of every Snickers bars you add that added five pounds in a month. Okay? And you engage that, that fetus in the womb and say, I want to change the resonance process, truly change the being that I am. And I am choosing to go to my ancient past self, the fetus in the womb, as the ancient future self, and tell them my entire story. So we're completing a connection of time. So the fetus, who was the original heart from the uncoding of the DNA, is still you, the heart that is in you now. It is the same muscle that has grown through that process. This second thing, getting that companionship, telling the story, and knowing thyself will give you a far greater way of dealing with the dogmas and deception filters of others in the world. It will assist you at letting go of their traumas that are projected at you so you can stay a, a manifest being of the now, not having your life force siphoned off by millions of project people. The third thing I will say is dreaming, is learning how to <laughs> create mass visualization processes for yourself. And then as you create those, you fall asleep and enter the lucid dream. Teachers throughout the, since the dawn of time have been trying to teach this. So these three things are, are not new, 
but the way in which does that one does them. Because when you are the feed, you have a companion and a fetus in the womb, you can dream with them. And when the physical body isn't manifest with the dogmas of the shared reality and we're just in the dream world, you can create an infinite amount of more of thought constructs that you can wake up with, do something with, actually have in your knowingness that there's a new form of science or a new music that you can bring because you've had your divine self interconnection. Whoa. Oh, this is so good. And it's, this, uh, all this is stuff that I that I love that you said that this is all stuff that people have been trying to teach forever. This is all stuff that I've had on my to-do list and I've either done for months at a time and then forgot about. And then um, it's really a good reminder to dive back in, ex- except for the fetus one. I've never done that except for after you told me to at the uh, at, at our reading. And mm-hmm. it was really it was good. It was fun. Have you been able to go back to the fetus and really really engage it? Yeah, I had a I had a great conversation with my fetus, <laughs> with me as a fetus, and the the one that I had a really hard time doing was going back to me at a young age and remembering my my past at like years old, right? And I was staring at a picture of myself at 2 years old for probably 45 minutes communicating with him and just trying to remember like the the base things that I needed at that age, right? Like my two-year-old is like, you need, you want food. Like what kind of food did I like? What was my blankie that I have? What was my stuff? Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that was a little, little harder for me. Um, but the, the fetus one was, it was, fun. it was interesting. I mean, the fetus one, it seems like you can just, you can imagine, you can imagine and create, and I, I guess you can do that with the two-year-old too, but um yeah, the more, the more you allow yourself to imagine, the more real it becomes. The reality for a fetus all the way up into two years old is very different than what we experience. And just by having kids, you know that. You can look at yeah. them. They're on mushrooms all the time. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Alex, do you have any last questions for him? Yes, I do. How... Um... What is the purpose of our incarnation, and is reincarnation real, and how how does it work? I mean, how, how what's the mechanism behind making it work, and do we choose to be a disembodied entity versus an embodied entity, or is this chosen for us, or does that that vary based on on things? And is is karma real? Do we build merit by doing good deeds that then affects our future lifetimes? So that is a, a all-encompassing karmatic question. So I have an answer for it. So karma, as, as an expression, is an exchange of positive or negative polarity and charge from one lifetime to another lifetime. And it can be a collective group of soul families that create a set of positive karma that are passed on to future generations or negative karmas that are passed on to future generations. Reincarnation is something that is not natural to our system. It was something imported here via off-world beings uh, 31 million years ago. And since that time, we've had a dual belief structure system of incarnation or reincarnation. Reincarnation is a system that has a variety of hierarchical beings, both positive, negative, and neutral, guiding beings through chaotic evolution because they have a set of higher soul contracts that they will experience free will here at its most fullest level. 
and then when they are when they are finished experiencing full free will at its fullest level, they will go through an expansion process or a golden age process where they can let go of karma itself as an expression of exchanging spiritual debt. That beings will be free of karma as the universal expression of what we have done as positive or negative. We'll be able to share the fullness of our Akashic record through telepathic connection and not be limited to that of the verbal connection. Reincarnation, as I said, was imported here, and it has been used as a tool for domination and control, something we are experiencing in this world of duality and separation, right. in one perspective to force people through evolution, and another perspective to allow them the fullness of understanding what free will is. Direct incarnating beings are, are ones who have left the incarnational grid in the hierarchical system within that and have found a pod of people in the astral world. They get an immigration date, and they're born into a local town, local city, and then they begin to meet each other and create new forms of consciousness, new movements, science, math, music, etc., etc. And they, too, are still in the soup of people who are in reincarnation. And oftentimes they find themselves entangled with those people of previous lifetimes who are holding debt and spiritual contracts from 5,000 or 10,000 years ago. And all of a sudden you meet those people in the presence of now as an incarnating being, you have to make a choice. Do I want to share my reality with something that is in the separation and in the duality, or do I not want to? Most people in their unknowingness now don't realize the soup of creation that's going on. You have incarnating and reincarnating belief system beings in a shared reality rule system that is constantly sharing the pollution of previous spiritual debt. This previous spiritual debt has gotten to a point where our money system has become what I call the Babylonian money curse, meaning money is trying to affect our life review and how positive we have affected this world. Karma and money have been related in the last 2,000 years to a point where the astral world beings begin to plan contracts based around money and the system of domination and control, which has powerful esoteric practitioners and dogmatic belief systems behind it, try to force the creation of laws that interwoven, uh, interweave with our spiritual contracts of beings of reincarnation or direct incarnation. To be a direct incarnating being means you have gone through the reincarnation system, done the very negative lifetimes, repaid the debt that you may have created in previous ancestorships, and also understand you do not have to take on the debt of others. That is the bigger choice of free will and why we are living in a system that has both karma as debt exchange, both positive and negative, and non-karmic exchange, which is the base exchanging of knowledge through the full empathic transference of who we are. Does that answer Short your question? <laughs> that so was I a wonderful really, answer. Thank go, you. Thank I you can, so much. I have I have one last last question. I like to say, um, as we discussed but while we were setting up this conversation that you and I and Ben are having, that the quality of your life is determined by the quality and quantity and variety of the questions that you ask and answer. Is that is that true? Does our quality of life, yes, it does. Because quality of life is about knowing when knowingness expands, as well as allowing the mystical to be a part of your co-creation. So yes, it does. And there's just different perceptions within the evolution of that inside yourself. 
that help us unlock, unpack, or uncode, or decipher light, which is all of the information in it. It's a matter of can we translate it into our knowingness, into English, that adds to the quality of life. Because there's information that is clearly weaponized, that is meant to take away from the quality of life. Example, the Trump stuff right now. Is that really added in quality of life to people right now? No. Is anything within the political system adding to the quality of life? Has any vote in the last 20 years actually changed and added to the full quality of life of the individual's manifest? No. So Is that a judgment? I want to ask, ask you a quick question about that. So, you know, the way that I've been looking at voting, right, isn't that it's, you know, our vote may have zero effect in the physical. Like if I go cast my ballot, that may not actually shift any election at all. But I feel like there is an energy to the vote for, you know, the majority of people creating unconsciously with their energetic vote of their free will choice of I want it to go this way. I'm demanding that it goes this way. Except you cannot work within their fiction. You see, there are esoteric practitioners that have guided, shaped, and created our political system. And voting is tacit consent of four more years of your energy for them to do it their way. 505 representatives do not represent 370 million people. Right. Even if you had 10% full representation, it wouldn't represent everyone's views. That is the basic fallacy of our, of our right. government. I agree. So it's just giving tacit consent for the hierarchical system to continue to define our quality of life. And instead of allowing each individual human being to determine the quality of their own life. Okay, so do you feel like people would have more of an effect? Like, let's say, let's say 100% of the people were going to vote for somebody that wasn't our two main candidates, right? 100%. So the, the, the facetious uh, system could say, okay, we're going to create something, but all those people could energetically say, or, and, and then therefore physically say, no, I choose something different. I choose something new as a way of bringing it into the physical and, and getting out of the system. So would that be more, would it be more effective for all those people to go and vote in no. physical or just stay no. home and, and, and affect the system? Stay home, stay home and, and take your energy back from the system. Take your power of choice back from the system. As I was saying before, there's esoteric practitioners who have a, a, a greater understanding of science and consciousness just as the Super Bowl is an Illuminati cabal ritual of, of, of observation, so is our voting process. It is a, a ritual dark magic process designed to steal your power, to empower a system so that the money has your belief behind it. Money is just a digital object. There's no gold backing it anymore. All of our belief system is just in this digital currency. And our empowerment through tacit consent and voting still gives that that power so that the people with the bullets still have the ability to manifest killing you. <laughs> so, again, okay. a different perspective, taking your power back from the system. So the system cannot define our lives through the prediction-based contracts of who we vote for. Okay. So once we remove our energy from the system – then does the system all of a sudden collapse, or do they say, okay, no. you know, 100 people voted? We have to stop voted. it from harvesting. 
No, we have to stop it from harvesting us. It is constantly oh. harvesting our energy. So, so that that it look doesn't like, have like to energetic? use its own energy. I, I know most of the people in the U.S. aren't going to do this. They're not going to just stop voting. And they're probably okay, not going to have a consciousness to I, go I, pull I love back what you're energy, saying, and I... I I love what you're saying, and I've, uh, Andrew, and I felt uh, the truth of this. Uh, what I had said, on, um, uh, told people on Facebook, is I came up with a 50-point plan, and I said that I was going to write my own name in on the ballot. Is that a way of taking my power back? No, because it is still a dark magic ritual created 200 years ago by those people who were going to shape and guide the creation of our world with their own esoteric dogmas and singular beliefs that didn't care about the rest of the people in the world. It is still a system that does not recognize the rest of the sentient living in this world, the way we treat our animal, our cattle. You look at our own laws. Human beings are labeled as commerce and chattel. We are do not own our bodies, and that is what the laws actually say. And if the manifest laws say that, we cannot play within that fiction. We must retract it at all levels. What we can do during that day is create our own esoteric ritual that takes back all of the energy and every voting we have ever done so that the aggregate energy that the system has can no longer be projected back at us or any of our brothers or sisters. <laughs> That's what we're doing. Our Shemarushin retreat with Satya. <laughs> That's great. So, what is okay? So, you know, the 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 small minority of us that have the awareness can we can do that? We can do that ritual. Um, do we need? It's not a the, small minority. It's not a small minority. That's why I created those contract revocations, one for government, banking, media, masculine, and feminine. Anyone can do it. It's a matter of understanding once you have your power back, there are a variety of systems that are always siphoning it off of you. That inherent belief that death and taxes, well, that's something we have to extricate from our belief system. There right. are a variety of other things that keep us in the infrastructure of distraction entangled into the siphoning process of our ta through tacit consent. We must see the credit card bill, the cell phone bill, all of things that are contracts bringing us back into the giving away of our power. We must esoterically perceive that and begin to break contracts, files, agreements, and cut the energy cords so that we can live in both worlds simultaneously and not have pushback from the system that is constantly trying to siphon from us. So in a community of people, in a society of people that are attached to their cell phone bills and their debt debt bills, um, what happens after they do the contract revocations? What what happens after they stop voting? What what like where's where's the where's what's the replacement system? Um, I mean, if let's say we have sovereignty, I, I don't know, self sovereignty, self learning, self education, getting yourself out of the the fog of war that the old belief has created within everyone and truly coming to the seat of your own power, the seat of your own heart, that you are naturally a dreaming be a being when you were born, coming to the, some most baso es basic esoteric truth, disassembling the dogmatic belief systems that are around us, educating people at the common ways of disassembling them without causing more trauma, removing the traumas within ourselves, I have said since the very beginning we're going to need a billion healers to assist us in the infinite amount of traumas that have been created on us by the system. 
going forth and being of service to yourself through self-healing and self-nurturing. When you've had enough self-healing and self-nurturing, you give that process through education to others. Teach them how to self-heal, self-nurture. <laughs> Step up into the, in the, physics, in the physical field of being a hands-on healer, a teacher. And when you're ready to go beyond that, be the consciousness explorer, the one who can go to the edge of the reality and say, I have just expanded it. And I'm now building a mental constructed roadway for other people to go and experience it because that is what of our indigenous elders have been doing since time memorial. Wow, it sounds like you're, this is like a commercial for Welcome to Rise Costa Rica, our, our 800 <laughs> acres sovereign city of teachers and learners and teach learners creating a better reality for all of us. This is great. Oh, Andrew, well, we're already but I'm, I'm, there's one question that like the one question I wanted to ask you and this is what we talked about at the very end of our, our uh, your reading with me I said I, I want to hear more about this is your you mentioned race amnesia mm-hmm. what and I know this is, this is something that's been coming strong for you you're like lightning downloading this information right now or a lightning rod downloading this information right now so what's the one thing that we need to know about race amnesia and how to reclaim our memory as a human race. Some time ago, beings of greater knowledge saw us as a commodity. And we were deeply connected to our own world, and they needed to discover ways to disconnect us from our oral teachings and histories of what our previous generations did. So they stepped in and did a variety of gene engineering processes that disconnected us from our natural ability to connect to the Akashic Records that everyone is entitled to at birth. A variety of other social and cultural altercations that perverted the masculine and feminine so they wouldn't naturally share, creating that soup of miscreation and misunderstanding between the commonality of people saying that they don't have any common rhythm that allows common perception amongst them. And once that separation began, the bigger scale at disconnecting human beings from their individuated sole purpose, which was bringing in the industrialization and agricultural processes, until we we led into wars that the victors wrote the history. And then thousands of years later, each generation has interpreted the previous generation and the next generation interprets the next generation until there is a skewment of what actually has happened. And there is nothing of relevance within what we know to 2,000 years ago or 5,000 or 10,000 or 20,000 years ago. That is race amnesia. The truth of race amnesia really began about 26,000 years ago when there was an active agenda to disconnect the masculine and feminine from the ability to naturally create in the spiritual world and choose what children, spirits were going to be within their body, removing the great teachings of the grandfathers and the grandmothers that understood the natural birthing process and how to have a sperm and an egg come together and have the spirit go within it, which was a spiritual technology that was understood in previous generations from those that understood it via the technology or those that via understood it the spirituality. So race amnesia is the total disconnectment from what has happened in the truthness of our physical, oral, or taught history. And it has created a separation of... Regain that memory. Right. It has created a, a, a people in reincarnation and incarnation at the same time because 
we, we begin to learn some of the bigger truths. We aren't one single incarnating or reincarnating being. We could be 10 people on this world. And there are many times that I have people come to my session. They're not one person. They're six or seven, two in reincarnation, two in the incarnation, two in the astral world, waiting for everything to come together. And that is what race amnesia has created, a true chaotic breakdown of the natural order of spiritual immigration and, and extrication from this world about learning the greater experiences of light here. So without our true oral teachers and historians revealing what was in the local bubble of reality from 3,000 to 5,000 years ago, so it can be intertwined to the truth of our race history and the allowment of archaeologists to tell the truth, so on and so forth, that separation has created a spiritual anxiety and a spiritual lie. So many people are born to create spiritual contracts to become XX or X and supporting a fallacy, which creates a different form of karma for that person who may then have a massive awakening and then say, hey, everything that I knew about this one way was, was a fallacy or, or was stepped in, 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 in ignorance from previous generations who were just barbarians who wrote the history. That's race amnesia. And how do we reclaim our memory? Ah, uh, that is what every generation since the dawn of of, of the separation has thought. How and do you reinterpret? Like we're the generation that? to do it. We are the generation that understands the duality, and makes the choices for those that want to stay in static duality. That the two worlds of dream and physical are separate. You can. And I will not step on your journey. I will not be in judgment or justice to your uh, concepts. I will be a sacred, neutral, unentangled uh, observer who shall not take on your charge or polarity. But I can still be an equal co-creation with you through my natural separation and understanding that I'm not a dual being. I'm a quadality being. I am here and in the dream world. I can fall asleep here and wake up in the dream world. I can fall asleep in the dream world and wake up here. Or I can fall asleep and wake up somewhere else via the choice of manifestation or unmanifestation of this physical body. It is our inherent birthright to get to that apex of the hierarchical order who understands the manifestation of the physical body. The galactic and off-world beings don't use, all, all use physical technology to go from place to place. They understand the greater concepts of how to manifest and unmanifest the body and to travel between the stars. It'll be the consciousness exploration community. When you, when you talk... When you talk about traveling between the stars, I had this lucid dream, it was very powerful, that I could, within this lifetime, learn to turn myself into light, into photons, yes. and travel, and then re-manifest. Is there any real possibility of doing that? Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> you do it every day, you fall asleep. It's inherent into our technology. It's a matter of entering the lucidity, having the fullness of our spirit, which knows thyself, this I am presence, to engage the super technology of communion and union, which is the DNA, which represents your seven past generations and your seven future generations in totalness of potential, so you can have the capability in the mighty I am presence to manifest or unmanifest the body at will and not have to engage the shared reality rule system of sleep paralysis and delta process to be in the dreaming body in full lucidity. <laughs> Does that answer your question? 
We yeah, may need thank to unpack you. that one a little bit. <laughs> can, I, can I do a session with you where you can teach me more about lucid dreaming and applying it to my health and athletic performance? Absolutely. And I'm going to be teaching um, what's called Living the Mystical Life Daily, which actually does all this. And combined with that, it will be also Living the Mystical Life Nightly. There are uh, a, a variety of techniques that I teach people of how to read the Akashic Record in the mass volume that I do. And there are um, um, uh, a simplistic set of techniques that come in eight meditations. Well, they're more meditation teachings that teach people how to process information, remain neutral, manifest direct within their lives, and then to take that thought construct and meditative creation and transfer it onto our dream world of lucidity. And I'll be teaching this event September 3rd and 4th um, in Seattle, Washington. Um, it's going to be a great, great way for people to truly learn the discernment process, the greater history of what's going on. I'll be talking about our galactic history, the founding beings, why we are DNA technology created for a, a group of founder beings that needed in a precognitive direct manifestation workforce. So that is in the founding of our, of our abilities, literally the model of the humans that we are is meant to be a direct, a precognitive direct manifestation species. So, a founder being would come to us and we would innately know that what pieces and parts they would need and it would already be built before they arrived. That's innate within our natural birthright. And we can re-engage it by reconnecting ourselves to the fetus and the mother's womb, creating relationships, and then creating the spiritual pilgrimage and journey process into what I call the pyramid of the self, knowing all the other versions of the self that dance in the patterns of shadows of the former selves until the light has manifested this I am presence to be here in the now, to make a set of spiritual choices with the blueprint of contracts that they came with so they can interact with this reality as a whole in perfect spiritual positive hygiene, not exchanging pollution, not stepping on the journeys of others, and maintaining the common moral code of do no harm to any sentient kind while you're an unentangled observer. And all of those great manifestation powers can be directly available in the lucid mind or the semi-lucid mind. Is, do you have online? Do you have a product? Is, or is this only in, uh, in person right now? Um, it, 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 it'll be in person, but it'll it'll be for sale when it, once it's done. A lot of times we just record these and then we put them up afterwards. Um, but you can go to my website, andrewbartzis.com. That's B-A-R-T-Z-I-S. And on the front page, a little pop-up will, will show for Living the Mystical Life Daily, where you'll get um, two free teachings that teach about spiritual photosynthesis, like I talked earlier, and then about the alignment of footsteps to magnetic north, south, east, and west, so that we we can create a visualization process that connects us to the wholeness of our planet, which is sharing an electromagnetic field for us. Oftentimes is known as the Schumann residence. That's the background electromagnetic field of everything. And we right. as individual beings are of little variance within that. And that shows how we, we interact with the wholeness of the fabric of reality. Wow. I feel like, I feel like my higher self, I feel like my higher self is talking. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, you are for welcome. teaching us. Is there anything else, uh, any other way that um, our listeners can get a hold of you, can learn from you, yes, can I, benefit from I, you? I also have a, a ra two radio shows on um, freedomslips.com, also known as Revolution Radio. That's uh, simulcast throughout the United States. Um, so freedomslips.com on Sundays from 6 to 8 Pacific. The show is called Charting Your Course 
where I have my co-host Kathy Ma and Debbie Smart, where we take the basics of spiritual awakening, apply the many teachings that we have come up with so people have a large variety toolkit to apply to whatever scenario they need coping with. And then my second show is called Adventures into Reality, and it's from 2 to 4 um, East Coast time on Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. And that is a call-in reading show where people call and have you know sessions on air similar to what you've had along with my co-host, Deb, Kathy Ma. And we go very in-depth to pe- people's spiritual processes. People want to know who they were before they came here. And others are deeply spiritual people. And I've run into the plateau points where they're, they're, they've lost the ability to pilgrimage to their own heart, and it's about reinvigorating them to take that journey more sacred. Wow, that is so cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for doing the work you're doing on the planet. Two radio shows, all your courses. Your, I've 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 heard so much from you and about you and experienced so much, and the work you're doing is amazing. So thank you so much, and I'm excited to continue having you in my life as a part of my life. Well, thank you for having me on. This has been one heck of a fun show. You guys, when I get people that have a lot of knowingness behind their questions, it allows me to expand the way I create the details in English because there's the audience that that is in fullness of potential, and the two of you have added a great volume to the fullness of potential because each of your knowingnesses has a variety of, of angles that come back to asking the question and at what scale can I answer the question? Some questions are answered on the earth scale and there are a variety of other questions that have been answered at the universal scale, galactic scale, solar system scale and earth scale simultaneously. That is me speaking in the layers for those that can hear the meta concepts, the in-between concepts, the way I combine words in phrases that aren't normally used. It has been an enlightening experience, my friend. So thank you so much for being here. And um, so for everyone that's listening, uh, next week, Alex is going to be Burning Man. So he won't be here, but I will be here interviewing a surprise guest, which is going to be exciting. And uh, I, I'm actually going to be having uh, Jen Rohde my lovely wife as my co-host on this one. So it'll be, it's going to be fun. Um, keep in touch, stay in touch, click the follow button. Thanks for listening on the show. We love you all. See you next week.